Ever wonder what makes the greats great? What makes the successful successful? What makes the brilliant brilliant? Our Tuesday meetups with the celebrities of pharma industry and science are your one-stop shop to all these answers and more. Join us for Pies of Life, an initiative of the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program, where we bring your dream mentors to you. Welcome everyone. Yeah, so, you know, a question we are all asked quite frequently is, how many papers do we read a week? Not newspapers, but those boring, long articles Academia is really famous for. Is that science communication? Well, yes. But what if I told you that an IITK alum and professor at IISC is slowly changing that? A PhD from Rice University, a highly cited individual, member of the elusive top 2% of scientists in the world. He loves memes like all of us. You heard that right, a prominent harbinger of the new age of SciComm. Welcome to a Teate with Professor Mohit Kumar Jolly. Mohit, I understand you have an exciting special event prepared for us today. So the virtual floor is all yours. Thank you. Thank you very much, Charu. Thank, thanks so much, Charu. Thanks so much, Virinder, for this very, very kind uh, invitation and introduction and giving me this platform to talk, have this unconventional talk, um, which sort of channels some of the activities I've been doing spontaneously over the past uh, little more than a year for making memes on various different experiences that I have had or continue to have uh, as an academic. So I've tried to put together some, uh, some points in terms of how these memes themselves or the broader picture that can arise from these can give us a moment to laugh, give us a moment to be happy in an otherwise stressed environment, of course, being uh, exacerbated by the pandemic. So uh, before I begin, uh, before I'm thrown virtual eggs or tomatoes or chappals, I'll have these disclaimers uh, ready that any resemblance to anyone living or dead is purely coincidental and is not intended to hurt anyone's feeling in any fathomable manner. Going back to Shaktiman. Um, and the other point being that um, my experiences, viewpoints are completely, completely anecdotal in nature, um, having spent time as a PhD student postdoc and currently as an assistant professor, and of course not universally applicable to all. I'm okay with self deprecating humor, uh, as you will see later in this talk. So please feel free to uh, make fun of me through other memes or send me memes. I'll be very happy to receive them. Okay, so what is meant by a PhD? I don't need to elaborate on this further. This is just a meme I made out of one very typical um, narrative often seen in this TV series, Kichuli. Uh, Hansa and Praful talking about what exactly is doctor of philosophy. So let's not go there. We all have heard enough about uh, what is a PhD and not a real doctor, etc. So today what we'll talk about is what are one's expectations from a PhD and how can one attempt to match some of those expectations? These are questions which, again, in my anecdotal experience, I've seen that people, uh, many students do not think about the whole lot. Um, and this is a small attempt to try to get that conversation started. So when we talk about PhD, 
I ask all my students and other students that come across, what do you think is the most important outcome of a PhD? What exactly are you looking for in a PhD? Is it papers uh, in high-impact journals? Is it conference presentations, which is basically a, a euphemism for travel and book hotels, which are getting started now uh, after the pandemic? Uh, postdoc with a very senior person, faculty position, industry scientist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, what exactly is the outcome? And what I'm believing in and try to convince many of students and the attendees today is that the most important outcome of a PhD is the person who has completed the PhD. Uh, all different skills that one gains through this entire journey is uh, much more than what criteria that we just talked about. And those are, of course, byproducts and help you gain some of those aspects, but that's not what uh, one should evaluate oneself uh, in terms of the outcome of a PhD. So this is my definition of a PhD experience, um, that it's a journey of self-discovery and gaining transferable hard and soft skills. Now, of course, hard skills, we talk about a whole lot. Um, we list them on the, our CVs and our major play a major role in getting us hired for the next position. So uh, specific experiments, techniques, simulations, data analysis, programming, statistics, et cetera, et cetera, all the technical skills that one gains through this journey. Um, and the soft skills are equally, if not more important than the hard skills, uh, communication, teamwork, collaboration, uh, peer reviewing, how do you manage your time? How do you manage different projects? How do you work together with collaborators? How do you um, work out authorship, et cetera, all those are soft skills. Transferable, this is another aspect which I've not seen much discussed about, that many of these skills, both hard and soft and their combination, um, I think are extremely crucial in various different professions that one can pursue after completing one's PhD. So first of all, after completing one's PhD, there are other options, other professions uh, to pursue, not just a postdoctoral degree, uh, sorry, postdoctoral position necessarily, and in those positions, uh, these skills can come in handy. So if one is not going for a postdoc, one should not think that, you know, I wasted all the time. There are skills which are absolutely crucially important. And finally, uh, coming to self-discovery, I think PhD is a great time to think about what does one enjoy doing the most and where does one think one can contribute the most. And this again goes back to the, you know, Japanese concept of ikigai or where your passion, mission, profession, and vocation sort of can, can they overlap and keep us happy both personally as well as professionally. Now, when you talk about journey, um, a journey of self discovery is uh, PhD, a journey often has a clear destination when we start on a, when we put a destination in Google Maps, we know where we are going. But that's not necessarily true about PhD because again, many of us don't think about that. Uh, what, what do we want to get out of a PhD? And many people when asked, uh, what, do you, what are they looking from a PhD have a response very similar to this. That, you know, the Sochaning immediately, but Sochaning, there is enough time to think about it. And, you know, and that time to think about it sort of rarely comes uh, or it comes too late uh, in, in, in this journey, which often then has uh, suboptimal consequences. The other aspect is that PhD is pursued with PhD advisor, of course. And again, one would think of advisor, mentor, supervisor, 
or I've seen these terms used interchangeably, but are they really synonyms? Um, or the person you're working with, or set of persons you're working with, are they advisors, mentors, supervisors? One should be clear about these. And one of the definitions that I was told um, that what is the difference between a mentor and an advisor is that a mentor is someone to whom you can complain about your advisor. And, and supervisor is clearly the project supervisor. We're talking about a specific project. Advisor takes the way I've seen these terms used, advisor is slightly broader role, and mentor is you know, even broader picture. And you can have much longer um, association and learning from these experiences at, at a personal level as well. So again, when, when one enters a PhD, one should begin to identify what role uh, are they seeing themselves and their uh, PI or supervisor. And there are different types of advisors. I'm not saying any one of them is good or bad. It depends completely on what you are looking for for in a PhD. So there's the Dhatarasht kind of advisors um, who have a very large lab, a very long list of lab alumni positioned at all different fantastic places, but they do not have the time to spend with you. Um, so a senior member serves as Sanjay or eyes uh, in telling what is going on in Kurukshetra or, or in the lab in this particular case. There is the Arjun kind of advisors which have a specific focus on that cell, nature, science, a big short paper. There are Betal kind of advisors. You know, so these are people who are extremely useful wisdom to share, but Bikram cannot catch Betal, but Betal can catch Bikram whenever he wants, right? So these advisors can catch you whenever they want and for however long they want, but you cannot find them. But, but again, it is a treasure, uh, uh, in terms of wisdom, right? And this is, of course, not at all an incomplete, uh, this is uh, not at all a complete list. And also people can switch from being Dhatarash to Arjun depending on, you know, different career stages they are in uh, as well and, and in any direction, of course. So again, one should think about what kind of advisor is one looking forward to or what advisor is one trying to avoid. Um, and then again, this journey becomes, can become more meaningful, more happy, more productive. So, as we were just discussing, the PhD is a very, very long process, uh, but that doesn't mean that it has to be an unpleasant one as well. I mean, PhD body but right? So if one starts to think about what one wants from one's PhD rather early on, then I think many of uh, these aspects that we we'll talk about become, or the journey becomes rather smooth, you know what you're headed for, and then you can take the steps accordingly to achieve what you're headed for. But in most cases, we don't even know what we are looking for. So what I'm not going to talk about today is what you already know. Uh, you have to work hard. You have to read papers, as Chaitu was saying. You have to collect data. You have to be ethical. You have to be disciplined. Parampara, Pratishtam, Shasam, is Gurukul Ketin, Stamhe, in the movie, Mahabhutan. Um, and you have to work on big questions, questions which keep generations uh, curious. And work towards big papers, create uh, your name in the field, create your, your, your niche in the field. So this you already know, so I'm not going to talk about these things. But there is much more to the experience, which is what I will briefly allude to today. So when we speak of 
journey. I mean, this is another famous quote from the book Big Panda and Tiny Dragon that you know, what is more important during the journey? Uh, what is more important, journey or the destination? And the answer is the company. And your company during your PhD is your advisors, your lab mates, your batchmates, colleagues, friends, families. How do you maintain a relationship with them which is uh, which keeps you happy, keeps you productive, keeps you motivated, and helps you get whatever you wanted from your PhD. So here are some of these uh, ideas that I have found particularly useful in my experience, and I've seen others uh, also benefit from these. So first of all, since we're talking about science communication, first thing is about communication. You should communicate your situation, your expectations effectively, to not only to your advisor, but also to your friends, to your colleagues, to your collaborators. And you should do this at multiple times. You should not think, I told it on day one, and this other person is supposed to remember forever. Because that's the biggest problem with communication, the assumption or the illusion that it has taken place. So you should take the steps and tell your PhD advisor, tell your lab mates, what kind of support are you looking for? Uh, are, you, are you in a difficult personal situation? Are you held up somewhere else? so that they can manage their expectations effectively. None of them is an antaryami. They don't really know what is going on in their life. You need to tell them, uh, I mean, that doesn't mean you have to reveal all the details to them, but you have to tell them that you are otherwise occupied. Right, so because again, at the end of the day, PhD is a professional relationship with, uh, with advisors and any relationship needs clear communication. You should know what you want from your advisor and your advisor should know what they want from you. The second question is sort of rather clearly answered in most cases. The PhD advisor knows what, uh, in most cases, uh, what projects to, uh, does he, she, or they want the student to work on and proceed further, but it's the student uh, who usually does not have thought about it as much. Uh, so again, you should tell them what you're looking for and at multiple times. And this is one of my uh, favorite uh, tweets uh, that, you know, which I shared with multiple students uh, in the lab, that doing a PhD is at heart a long discussion with your mentor. The discussion changes uh, and takes various different ups and downs, but at the end of the day, it's a long discussion. So please choose a person you really want to talk to. You don't want to choose a mentor who you would not want to talk to for X, Y, Z, various different reasons. It can be a mismatch of personality. It can be a mismatch of how you uh, work, uh, it can be a mismatch of uh, your thought process about a given uh, scientific process, etc. etc. So, again, it is your journey. So, you should identify what you need to do well um, and then communicate to others. And again, this is about personality fit. So, when I went into my PhD, I knew what kind of person. Uh, I do not want as a PhD advisor. And trust me, many times elimination is um, an equally, if not more efficient way of making a decision than selection, right? So again, so I, I was um, just another anecdote. I was born in and brought up in UP. And if you are born and brought up in UP or Bihar and you do not appear for civil services exams in your lifetime, you will be reborn on UP and Bihar till you do that. So I will definitely be reborn. I've not done it in this my life. But that was the first thing I eliminated from my career choices. But you know, okay, I don't want to go for that for various reasons uh, that I had at that point of time. So again, elimination is an important uh, decision making as well. Uh, decision making criteria as well. 
So you should know what kind of person you want or you want to avoid and decide accordingly. Now, in any relationship, it's important to set boundaries, not just PhD, any relationship. Um, and many times, because of the uh, power dynamics in uh, student advisor relationships, um, these students are often in this uh, mode of selling it. Okay, we'll work harder, you know, or you know, we'll, we'll tolerate uh, these kinds of scenarios, which we do not necessarily want to be a part of. So that, that's fine only until a certain extent. That cannot be your um, steady state response throughout your PhD because you know, you'll just burn yourself out. So one needs to take care of one's mental health and one's physical health. Again, one needs to know what kind of situations um, worsens one's mental health and try to avoid them as actively as possible. And have a hobby, have a social circle, a support circle outside the lab. Because again, don't, don't just stay, talk to people inside the lab. You anyway see them in number of hours a day, a week, a month, whatever. Uh, have some other people to talk to, have a support circle and develop any hobby. I mean, you need not be a professional level uh, expert in that, but just something to take your mind off. And so that you can come back to the scientific question as well later. Then one of the questions that I am asked is, then what do boundaries in a PhD mean? I mean, until what level? So again, students should not feel themselves that they are in this situation. They go feeling me. I mean, of course, you all have other components of life going on and have you uh, to attend to which you should take breaks at all time scales. You should take break in a day. Um, week, month, whatever uh, works. Uh, of course, there are deadlines and uh, you know, one can't put a, an uh, specific number to this throughout, but take breaks. And also, there will be difficult conversations you will have with your advisor, or with your thesis committee members, with you know, whoever is on the other side of the table. That doesn't mean that you have to be rude to them. That doesn't mean that you know you have to always protest. Uh, again, PhD is uh, a time when you have to develop these skills that you can convey to the other person what you really need for yourself staying mentally well, so that you can then uh, perform well as well. Okay. So again, you know, navigating difficult situations is another thing that PhD teaches us in one way or another. Um, so that also should be taken as a lesson rather than as um, something which one is sort of always feeling intimidated with or, uh, or offended with. So the more effectively you communicate and synchronize your expectations, right? Communicate, so communication is a two-way street. You need to tell and you need to listen. And this needs to be done by both sides uh, or both people on both sides of the table. So you should try to avoid these kinds of situations when uh, the advisor is not necessarily singing songs like this, but saying something equivalent to this. But then to avoid these, you need to know, uh, you need to communicate how much time you need to get something done. If, 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 if you are in a meeting um, where the next goals are being set, you should have a good idea about what your other commitments look like over that time period and whether you'll be able to complete this or not. And say that out right up front then and there. 
um, instead of later being stressed about it or um, you know unnecessarily worrying about it. So you have to synchronize. So that's the first thing: communicate effectively at multiple times. Second, um, learn to adapt. It's a famous quote by Charles Darwin: "It's not the strongest of the species that survives, not the most intelligent, but the one that is most adaptable to change." I was in first year of my PhD, second semester, and I get a call at 1.30 a.m. from my advisor saying that you have been schooled. Whatever you have been working on, someone has already published this. And again, many of you may have gone through this. It's, um, it's, it's a feeling mixed of helplessness, frustration, anger, hopelessness, et cetera, et cetera. It's not a good feeling to have in any, any uh, sense of the word. So then, what do you do? You, you pivot, you see, uh, so in this particular scenario, we saw what part of the question was not addressed by that other people. We made progress on it as quickly as we could, and we published it. And now there are school protection services also being offered by various journals and so on. Right? So one, again, you just can't sit, adapt and move accordingly. And the reason I say adapt three different times is because you have to adapt your tools uh, during your PhD. You have to, you know, technology is, is changing at an unprecedented rate. Uh, you have to adapt your scientific questions because technology will generate new kind of data, which will sort of, you know, uh, force you to think about other questions if you really want to be at the, at, at the top of the game. And you have to adapt your expectations, uh, both from your PhD and your advisor. So I always uh, tell my students that, look, you're not preparing for competition today. Competition is only increasing with time. And you can see that just looking around yourself. And you have to prepare for competition 10 years down the line when you will be in a position, uh, when you will be looking for uh, a, a position, be that a faculty position or any other uh, professional situation, right? So you have to compete with people who will be there at that point of time. So you have to, in some ways, project um, what competition will be there at that point of time. And how do you really want to be ahead of the game right away? You need to think about it. And this is something which my advisor told me uh, that was his impression about a PhD um, is that PhD is a journey which begins as a trainee and ends as a colleague. So in the initial stages, you're more like as in this situation in Mumbai MBBS. Whatever the advisor tells you, you do it. But many advisors uh, would want to cut the umbilical cord and would be very happy to see you develop as an um, independent intellectual um, scholar contributing various important themes to, to your research field, right? So as as, as PhD uh, timeline progresses, it would be fantastic if you can be in this situation where, you know, so you already know, you know, you, you go to your advisor saying that, yes, this is what we discussed in the last meeting, I've done this, and I have done four other things which I thought were relevant. I, I don't think anyone would, uh, any, any reasonable person would say, uh, would, would be offended by that or would say that this is useless, right? So you need to take the initiative. You need to, um, it's your PhD at the end of the day. That's something that you have to be very conscientious about. Okay, uh, third point, watch out for each other. You will all have days, weeks, months, and simulations will not work out, experiments will not work out for various reasons. Um, your papers will be rejected, 
some random referee uh, sitting behind the curtain of anonymity would shoot you down um, and additional personal stress uh, aspects. There, there will always be phases like this. The duration of these phases, the frequency of these phases can be different, but they will always be there. And again, this is not something restricted to PhD. You will see this throughout your life. So in that scenario, be there for your friends, be there for your colleagues, uh, be there for your lab mates, um, right? Because if you are looking for support group, so are they, everyone is in the same boat. Um, so if you can, and, and many times we don't even know, how do we, uh, how do we comfort someone? How do we console someone? I mean, recently, um, I, I was in a situation where a few of my students had very close connections with someone who committed suicide. And I spoke to them and I said, look, I don't know how you want to be comforted, but please let me know how can I help you. And the two students had two very gave me two very different ways in which they wanted to be comforted or wanted to be heard, wanted to be consoled. And I then followed that uh, communication strategy with them and they were better in, in due course of time, right? So again, don't, don't assume uh, that you already know how bad or good someone else's situation is um, and what will quotes unquote fix it. Listen to them. Listening is an important part of communication, which is often um, ignored. When we talk about communication, we often think about speaking and writing, but reading and listening is equally, if not more important parts of, of, of communication. So be there, be there for your friends, um, cheer them up. Trust me, that, that will give you as well a lot of satisfaction, hope, and happiness. And again, don't, don't be a frog in the well. Don't be a kukmandu. PhD will tell you, teach you many, many transferable skills which you can apply and pursue various different careers, uh, various different options. You can switch among those different options as well. Uh, so don't think that you know, because you have come into PhD, the only option for you is a postdoc. And uh, once you're under postdoc, the only option for you is to pursue a faculty position, no matter what it does to your um, personal life, no matter what it does to your physical uh, health, mental health. Trust me, it's not worth it. I'll give you two anecdotes. So one of my friends who used to work with Microsoft Research at some point of time had extremely uh, difficult uh, relationships with uh, his advisor during his PhD. And he knew by the end of his fourth year or so that he, you know, he has not gotten papers until then um, and that his uh, chances of getting a faculty position later or a postdoc position later was extremely small and that he will also not get a good recommendation later necessarily. So what did he do? He figured out what, where his uh, skills would be useful. He spent next two years talking to people in different um, industry, in this particular case, data science, which is again an upcoming area, uh, and analytics, and used his skills from computational biology training to uh, further gain more skills and was doing fantastic work. So he realized this at the nick of time and then changed the trajectory. And, and he seems very happy to me right now. So that's, so again, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no point of no return, trust me. The other thing which we have been doing in our lab for uh, an year and a half now, and this started sort of again serendipitously while we were at a con virtual conference, is that um, 
once every two weeks or so approximately, we would invite um, people who have done a PhD in one of the STEM areas and share their journeys um, and pursuing uh, STEM areas and are pursuing different careers. So we have had, uh, of course, postdocs, industry, academic postdocs, industry postdocs, grant managers, science communicators, um, you know, policy colleagues, um, communication consultants, et cetera, et cetera. We've had a long list of uh, people, people working in NGOs uh, related to science policy, et cetera. So I would invite them to come to virtually visit uh, us, um, share for the first 15 minutes or so their journey, what they have learned in their journey, uh, what skills they've got during their PhD are now helping them in their position. And after that, I would just step out of the room and let the students interact with them and ask whatever questions they wanted to ask. And many students have benefited a whole lot from this and um, now are considering at least doing an internship in various of this professions to at least get to know more. There's, there's, so again, there's, don't think of you know, PhD means that you have restricted your options in life. That's not at all. Okay, um, last point, have a sense of humor um, and learn to laugh at yourself. So this is from Game of Thrones, uh, season one, episode one. Jon Snow tells, sorry, Tyrion Lannister tells to uh, Jon Snow, uh, never forget what you are, for surely the world will not. Make it your strength, then it can never be your weakness. Armor yourself in it, and it will never be used to hurt you. So when I started making memes, it started with this. This was the first meme I posted on Twitter. And I was laughing at myself. Uh, the way this happened was I had seen Mirzapur recently over a two-day break I had taken. And when I saw this scene, I was immediately reminded of the situation I was in. Uh, I'm in a very similar situation when we had received five referee comments um, and we had only three weeks to address them because then I had to leave for my wedding. And my advisor said, Mohit, you take care of this. I'm not getting into details of this. The, the ref response letter itself was 15 page long. So, and you know, when he first asked me, how do you plan to address this? I had no clue. I was pretty much like this. This was me in my fourth year of my PhD. So I was comfortable sharing this. Because you know, sure, this is a way to laugh at oneself and you know, not necessarily always being too serious about things. Um, and you know, in, in my current position as a tenure track assistant professor, I continue to laugh at myself uh, in a public manner. Uh, this is uh, another meme I recently posted. So here is a projection of me in some sense, running a tenure track. There's the editor. There's the big journal, which is fast in running away from me. And the distance is the comment of reviewer three, which is that, you know, the p-value in this figure is not significant. I mean, I, I never have written a paper with supplementary figure 73. So of course, this is, a, this is an extrapolation. Every joke has an extrapolation and every joke has some truth uh, to it, right? So one should be willing to laugh at oneself. Okay, so why I say all this through memes, right? I could have just said these things. I mean, first of all, you, you would not have been here if this was not through memes. Um, but the other point, this is, this is my two cents to add some humor. So many students, colleagues um, at different stages of career I've seen always have this feeling, oh, I'm so alone in this. I made a wrong decision in my life, et cetera, et cetera. Trust me, you're not alone. 
many, many people go through this and they, they, there are ways to sort of come out of it. This, this is not a doctor's prescription in any uh, form or sense, but a sense of humor always sort of helps, helps relieve um, the stress a little bit. Um, and as I said, it's okay to laugh at yourself. And if we are happy or mentally at peace, I think we are most likely to be productive. But if we are productive, that does not necessarily mean that we are happy. Uh, that's why everything I talked about today is about being happy, while the title was about happy and productive. So if you are happy, you are most likely to be productive. So that's why I did not go into how to be productive per se. All right, I'll just summarize here. PhD is a journey of self-discovery, gaining transferable skills, uh, which can be used in various different careers, not just academia. Know what you want from a PhD. Know what you want from your advisors. Communicate clearly at multiple times with advisors, with peers, and communicate means both saying and listening. Um, learn to adapt the tools, your questions, your expectations, help out each other, watch out for each other, and laugh at yourself sometimes. Uh, have a sense of self-deprecating humor. And, and of course, of course, don't forget that Parampara Pratishthanashasana is Guru Bhakti Samhain and do all other things which are you have learned about on how to get a good PhD. With that, I would end and take any questions and thank once again Biopatrika, Virendra Venkcharu for this platform for this rather unconventional talk and happy to receive any suggestions, any criticisms, any memes and any questions. Thank you. Right, so I think everyone who has a question can raise their hand. Um, and uh, while you all prepare your thoughts, Mohit, I want to ask you, so this was a really exciting talk and, um, you know, it's, we've seen all these memes before, but we've never seen a professor tell us all these memes. And so how do we get, our, what is, what do you think can inspire our professors also to be, you know, inviting, funny, to have these kind of discussions because many people are not approachable and science is supposed to be serious business. Yes, that's, that, that's a <laughs> difficult question. Um, and I don't have a prescription for anyone, uh, but I think uh, maybe maybe a sense of humor goes a, a long way. And um, what I have seen is that many colleagues um, are very open in terms of sort of uh, self-replicating humor also at times, because that sort of helps them um, distill the immediate stress around them for various different be, be that the delay in dispersal of grant money, be that uh, the delay in getting the free comments, etc. And um, that's 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 where I think there is a lot of opportunity to 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 connect. Um, and again, you know, so not everyone might express oneself through memes. And I also don't know. I mean, I for instance, I know there are uh, people who make much better memes than I do, um, and and much more frequently. And again, memes is not just key mode of communication. This is just something that I relate to. And I don't spend time making memes uh, in the sense that I think of a meme uh, when in a situation like that and sort of immediately post it. It's, it's a very improvisation kind of exercise rather than uh, a stand-up comedy, which is well rehearsed, uh, where you practice jokes and do it. So everyone can express uh, these things differently. And I think, again, if you have, uh, if you sort of connect with your so the advisor, take, try to take a relationship 
to that as as of a mentor than just an advisor or supervisor then one is likely to have more personal connects and these kinds of discussions which are more open ended uh, sorry more, more uh, open hearted and candid in nature Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you, Virendra. Yeah, Mohit. So I think this was like excellent presentation and talk. So I think you have touched on this thing, but I'd like to hear more about like mentor or mentorship. Uh, like, is it difficult to be a mentor rather than just a PI or supervisor? Um, so I mean, I don't know how. good a mentor i am but my students can tell i i cannot comment on that um from whatever i have uh, a limited experience uh, i try to listen to people more actively um in especially in the past few years when i realized that the an important component of mentorship is listening and just listening and not giving any suggestions uh, which is difficult because we all have suggestions Uh, right up our sleeves, uh, and we think that they are the best ideas uh, to pass on. But I try to listen to them, see uh, what they are looking for, and then say something. And that that has been um, at least uh, at least helpful in shaping myself as someone who can be a more active listener. And as I said about the mentor, the students can tell. Uh, hello, sir. My name is Nagesh. and uh, i really enjoyed your talk uh, i want to ask one question that uh, you mentioned two points uh, first is when you said the uh, the advisor knows what he want to do in the project but the candidate uh, is uh, slightly clueless about what his potential or what he could be what his uh, skills could be used at and uh, the second point is you said that we should be aware that our skills uh, would be more relevant after 10 years so that competitive level preparation has to be there so i want to like ask you what what do you feel are the key points in the in this phase of transition from being uh, slightly clueless to being uh, confident about having skills which are relevant after 10 years right so th- that's a very good question that you know how do you cover that journey in 5 years you are sort of expected to know nothing of where you are right now and then in 10 year uh, sorry in 5 years uh, you are expected to know what has what is the status of the field then and projected uh, of how it will be in a few years to come right so um, again one of the things that i have seen uh, in students around is that students who would engage more both with the subject as well as with other members in the lab and the uh, the advisors usually are better positioned to go there See, because you know the advisors, because of the more experience that they have, more insights that they have, um, are in a position to project slightly better than what the students are, at least in the initial phases of their training. But then, in the later stages, uh, I think the students can get equally, or or I would want my students to be even better uh, predictors of where the field is going than I am, because it's their PhD and they should be known for that, not me. um so that that is uh, a journey which again is based on continuous engagement um i mean many times during my phd i thought oh this is a question oh this is best mathematical model i have written of this phenomena and this will explain everything 
And two days later, I find a paper which did that five years ago. So you get demotivated, yes. But can you laugh at yourself and move ahead? And you know, when you see that that was done five years ago, then you try to project further. Okay, what do you think will be done five years later? And then try to move towards that. So you know, in, in some sense, unless you fail, you don't know how to proceed. Yeah. So uh, Mohit, uh, excellent presentation and a very unique way to present something uh, very serious. Um, question for you, because you're an Indian Institute, you're an IIC. Uh, I was at TIFR yesterday and spent quite a lot of time with the students and postdocs there. And one of the feedback I got from people like TIFR, which is probably one of the most premier institute in India, that even after finishing their PhD, they're confused and was on what to do. So when, even when a premier institute student, PhD student doesn't know what to do, you know there's a crisis in the field of PhD that really there is no support system for the PhD student or the, or the you know, they're like on their own. Yes, I know PhD is about difficult, but so question for you is, and maybe we can work offline a little bit, maybe to create an environment of mentorship, which I think Virender and, and his whole team here are doing a fantastic job in this space. And maybe there's more to do for supporting the PhD students. Uh, and maybe I'd just like to hear uh, your thoughts on that. I'll take it take it offline. Right. No, that, that, that's a great point. And I'm not at all uh, surprised at uh, the experience that you mentioned. I mean, I see this here. And these sort of, and yes, uh, Biopatrika has been doing a fantastic job in bringing these different options. Uh, and so that at least people are aware of what they, what their skills can be put used to in addition to just um, you know, being in the tunnel as a postdoc forever. Um, so one thing which we have been doing at our bottom-up uh, approach is getting these people who are pursuing very different career options and sort of lock them up in a room with the students. And you, they ask whatever question they want to ask. Uh, my presence, I know, is only going to be an intimidator and inhibitor of those uh, free-flowing interactions. And now that we have done 40 of these, um, I have seen many students sort of shaping their interests accordingly. Because again, I think this needs to be, the mentorship needs to be there uh, more regularly rather than a one-time uh, discussion. Because again, they'll go back after that discussion and get submerged in the Western blot or that simulation and, and sort of forget about it. So I think they need to be con continuously reminded uh, because over generations, they have been continuously told that, you know, if you're going for a PhD, then doing a postdoc, doing a, going a faculty position is the route to Nirvana. So, so I think if we have to unlearn that, that unlearning will take a lot of time and continuous reminders than, uh, because the learning itself has been so um, deeply etched in stone. So let's have quick questions from Anirudha and Sandhya and uh, make it snappy because we have something exciting after that and we can continue questions um, eventually if we have some more time. Go ahead, Anirudh, and then Sandhya. Uh, thank you. I'll try to make it quick. So thank you, Dr. Mohit. Uh, this is the second time I'm listening. Last time you stressed on the importance of improv, which was in the Indian Science Fest. And this was another exciting talk. So uh, just along those lines, uh, because... Uh, memes have still are still very famous for their humor quotient 
and there are people who the memes being used in the scientific space uh, and because it dilutes the seriousness so do you think these can be used not regularly but often during lab meetings to maintain a ease and comfort in the space of interaction and also just an, an a related question is how to sort of uh, not highlight the humor quotient and instead uh, talk about the knowledge quotient and importance of memes because it also helps to communicate the knowledge and also maintain a uh, ease in the interaction so yeah thank thanks anurudh i think that that's a very important question um i would recommend a book called don't be such a scientist it's written by uh, randy olson who used to be a tenured professor at harvard uh, in marine biology and then at the age of 40 decided to go for film school um and has written about his experience and he's a fantastic science communicator making documentaries now second chapter second page of that book um he talks about uh, what are the effective ways of communicating broadly uh, public communication um so yes you you speak something that impacts others brains a cerebral topic an intellectual topic that has the least communicability you go to heart you say something which touches hearts of people that has more communicability you go to gut you talk about humor that has the most communicability right so so there is a reason i mean we we, we as humans have evolved in a way that you know we, we connect with humor so humor can be again as i said a joke every joke has some truth and some exaggeration so the sure you can bring up the meme and then discuss for 15 minutes about that serious topic but if you start with a serious topic and then bring about the meme at the end you have lost it you have not been able to sort of communicate the point as effectively as effectively as you would in the initial phases and yes i use memes in my class um uh, two days ago students were giving uh, presentations and i had to sort of talk about some points later and i challenged myself can i think of memes in this 15 minute interval which can communicate this point clearly and it was reasonably successful i would say so yes one can also again channel this um, way of communication but there are many many other ways of communicating as well i think sandhya uh, you can make it snappy and okay uh, i it's less of a question and more of uh, you know some thoughts that i had uh, Thank you, Nareen, for the session at TFR. My student was one of the organizers, and there was a previous edition of it where my student was one of the organizers. And she has gone on to do a startup. What you noticed about TFR students is, in general, something that I've seen across institutes in the country, and it comes back to what Mohit actually said. And I think what one needs is a change in culture. and the change in culture we need is that pi's need to recognize that there are boundaries in mentoring and that also means accepting student choice and encouraging them to explore without placing a hierarchy and saying doing a postdoc and going the academic track is where you have my respect and the most amount of my support and i have seen this play out in many ways across the two different institutions i have worked in and students who have come and spoken to me because i happen to be one of those who doesn't think like that and i don't have any good ideas as to how this culture needs to change 
But the other thing where the uncertainty comes from, and I think the student community will probably agree with this, is that the straightforward path to the academic career, you know what the financial structures are, you know that you have to work hard, you know what you have to do. The others are much less, much less understood. And in science communications, there are precious few jobs compared to the number of jobs you have as postdocs. So often the alternate track ends up being much more challenging. And I think at the core of it is that people need to start exploring early as to what their strengths are and what they want from themselves and their lives. And you have to live your life for yourself, not for your PI, not for your family, not for your peer group. And that is something I think we as scientific community who are training students often signally fail to communicate that effort sensibly. I was very happy to see Mohit mention that and Naren point out what, you know, that there's a source of confusion among students. Thank you. Thank you, Sandhya. And yeah, I think that's a, an excellent point. Sorry, uh, Mohit, for interrupting you because you know we have to stay on time. And, um, but I, I do truly feel that's like more of a panel discussion sort of a topic and you know get um, everyone's opinions uh, Raji has prepared uh, an exciting rapid fire round for you to get to know you a little bit better so Raji floor is yours okay uh, so should we start sure I'll just get some water <laughs> I'm not walking out <laughs> okay um, so let's start uh, the first question is which three words best sums up you and your region um, live, laugh, prosper. Okay. Um, if you could switch professions, what would you do? It's a difficult one. I have so many choices. Oh, sorry, ambitions, not choices. Um, <laughs> maybe a theater artist or a stand-up comedian or a science journalist, one of those three. Hmm. Um, what are three things you can't live without? Chai, chai and chai. Okay. Um, can you think of any uh, Bollywood comic character which matches your personality? Yeah, I think maybe Paresh Rawal in uh, Hera Ferry is sort of closest. I relate. <laughs> I'm so confused about situations. I'm like, how do Okay. Um, which Bollywood song do you sing when your experiment fails or works? Uh, one of my favorites is Har Fikr Ko Dhuye Nola Ka Chala Ka. Okay. Um, okay. Um, what is one of the best pieces of advice you have received from your mentor or your advisor or anyone? Um, listen more, speak less. Okay. Um, what is your best, I mean, what is your way to get de-stressed? It used to be cutting onions when I was in my PhD. Uh, okay. Uh, I think these days it's making memes probably. Okay. Um, your all-time favorite book and movie? It's a difficult one. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, The Emperor of All Melodies by Siddharth Mukherjee, which sort of really, I think, motivated me to pursue research in cancer. So I would place that at a very high level. And 
you know, we, the pursuit of happiness is probably among the top ones. Um, three top things in your bucket list right now. Tenure, tenure, and tenure. Okay. Um, three qualities you look for when you are interviewing someone. Maybe your future PhD student. Yeah. Um, initiative, um, honesty, and clear communication. Okay. Mm, any decisions, um, I mean, you are regret of in your life? Sorry, any decisions? You are regret of in your life. I mean, any decision you take earlier and I mean, you regret. I mean, there's so many, I'm just trying to figure out which, which, which is the sort of uh, among the, the top ones. Yeah, maybe, maybe sort of staying in, in uh, computational biology and not doing experiments myself so that I'm sort of dependent on others in terms of getting the data. Okay. Um, any hidden talent uh, which you have, which most people are not aware about? If you promise there'll be not a session on this, then yes. <laughs> uh, uh, some random dance. Uh, I, I like to. Virendra <laughs> session, random dance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And last question three qualities a person must have to be successful. I think again, I'll go back to initiative, honesty, and hard work for communication. Okay. Thank you so much, Minister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was a difficult one. <laughs> and there's no gift hamper also. <laughs> Ranjini, why don't you ask the last question of today's session? Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's not more of a question rather than a comment uh, to the earlier discussion that was happening on uh, on uh, the confusion and your you know uh, the unlearning process that uh, a student. So uh, I'm from the other side. Like I I also did my PhD from uh, materials engineering ISE. Um, so I had a break and while coming back, uh, the only thought process was like postdoc and academics. Uh, you know, so so uh, again the pandemic through just took away two years of my experimental research. I, I, many other reasons not letting me go back to lab and during that process you you start to learn uh, or probably understand and love more of uh, science communication the kind of contribution they have been doing um, sitting at home and uh, you know editing n number of manuscripts thesis from your lab and uh, you know that's something uh, but that unlearning process like you said uh, you know that constant mentoring sessions where a student is uh, made to have that confidence that this is not the only academic uh, path uh, the career path that you have the unlearning process is so difficult sometimes you're you know almost alone uh, doing it and uh, understanding how to do it so i'm actually happy i've come across your uh, uh, you know talks uh, mention about your talks a couple of times in twitter and happy to be a part uh, you know attended today and um, uh, it's it's uh, good to see a few mentors and people to uh, understand that it's okay to be confused uh, even after PhD and that, uh, you know, slowly the scenario is changing uh, from what it was in 2016 when I finished. Um, uh, so, um, again, I would say pandemic did play a part in that. Uh, more of science communication, more of these sessions uh, were uh, limited to us as a student, even in IIC. 
you know, the alternate career in uh, uh, in science was uh, almost uh, uh, not much talked about then. And even now I get questions as to why uh, you are a postdoc, uh, you just finished a postdoc, why do you want to change? So that's the first question you get asked. So I, I hope uh, it's, you know, why not? Uh, not being judged if, if that's what and I've applied to this position it's because I want to do it so uh, I think that is one comment I would want to put ahead uh, you know for people on the other side uh, that you know don't uh, 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 do not judge uh, probably then it's, it's an equally important project management uh, communication is an equally important uh, part of uh, uh, science and I think uh, it's good that uh, such uh, talks and such discussions are happening right now uh, a very good talk and finally uh, i get to see this uh, yeah that's it uh, yeah thanks thank no sir i think thanks so much uh, Sindhi, marine and sandhya i think you all brought up uh, great points and i mean i had this in my talk but i then removed it that, you know, basically saying that you know, figure out your dream because unless you do you will keep living someone else's and that someone else can be a family that someone else can be a friend uh, you know all, all of the cases so um, yes, I think also Deepak mentioned on the chat, this is a great point that uh, we all have, at least in our uh, sort of socio-cultural ecosystem, uh, we don't get to make a lot of decisions and then it suddenly sort of left to us, so we have a lot, and the students have a lot of um, lack of confidence in making the decisions and of course, uh, lack of availability of options. Lack of availability of options, one, I think now there are channels uh, fantastic ones such as to make them aware. Lack of confidence is something that will take a lot of time to unlearn. So I think great to know that Marin conducted these sessions. I'm sure that the students benefited this. Uh, and I would love to invite you here uh, at ISC with our group, with our department students, so they, they can get to uh, gain more confidence and uh, take their decisions with that. Uh, and if going back to alternative career, I think academia itself is an alternative career these days, because if you look at, again, something that Sandhya was pointing out, if you look at the supply-demand ratio in terms of how many faculty positions are there versus how many PhD students are being graduated every single day. It's, it's I mean, then, um, in, the, in the US, the American Society of Cell Biology did a survey in 2012, and that ratio was 8% at that point of time. So I think it has only gone down in the past 10 years, at least in um, cell and biological, uh, cell and molecular biological sciences. I, I, I don't know enough about other fields to comment on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mohit, for this wonderful session today. And I know many of us still have questions. There were questions in the chat box. Do contact Mohit uh, via his Twitter uh, address and uh, send him some new memes. Uh, all the information is in the chat box. Um, for those who want to know more about Mohit's journey, we do have a podcast, which was the finale of our uh, SciConnect uh, season one podcast. So check that out. Sign up for the Biopatrika newsletter on LinkedIn and you'll get more information for such sessions. We have this Pies of Life every single week, Tuesday, same time. So do join us. <laughs> A network should last a lifetime. Let us help you create lasting professional relationships with our world-class mentors through the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program. A strategic guidance program unlike no other, full of expert interviews, industry internship opportunities, CV writing, 
inflection point analysis life maps and of course the gateway to your dream career for a limited time only all our services are freely available for you as we truly want you to succeed